if you have a Bible tonight, let's open up to the book of Job, chapter 6. You know, sometimes, I don't know if you guys have seen a fight lately. I don't know if that's okay to do as Christians. You guys pay to see fights. Can you believe it? <laughs> I remember when I was in high school, man, we would see the fights. And, uh, um, you know, everybody would get around and they would watch the two go at it. And, uh, but sometimes you primarily see it when you're watching these boxing fights. Some of these guys, man, they get hard. You know, they're like, bam. And, you know, you look at it and you think, oh, you know, it's no big deal. But if you're in the middle of it and you get hit, like, square on the chin like that, and you keep going, that says something about you. Well, that's kind of how it is as a Christian. You know, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but you're going to get hit. We're going to go through hard times because uh, we live in a fallen world, fallen bodies, fighting fallen angels, which are demons. And so, you know, we're going to get hit hard. Some people, when they get hit, they get knocked out. They split. They quit. They're gone. They said, I thought when I signed up for being a Christian, man, that it was all going to be good. And next thing you know, that's not even good in the church. I mean, we're living in times that it's tough. And so, you know, it's a blessing to be able to go through the book of Job because I'll tell you what, going through this book with a, a heart to really want to take it in will give you the capacity to take a punch. And when you get hit, and for me, I know as a pastor, you guys will. I mean, maybe I'll be there. Maybe I'm going to be gone before you, you get there. I don't know. People pass away. I mean, you know, things happen. You get the news from the doctor. I mean, just the calamities, the tragedies, the loved one leaves. You go through whatever it is that you're going through. Prodigal sons and daughters and just all these things. And as you're going through them all, will you still serve the Lord with passion and with life and with vibrancy and like Job did? You know, Job, you know, he was honest. I mean, he questioned God, but man, he never cursed God and he never left God. And when he went through it, and we don't know how long it was, but when he came out of it, he was stronger than when he started and he was already strong when he started. And that's why going through it, for me, is a lot to it. A lot. You know, I don't know if you guys heard the story the other day about that guy who's working for McDonald's, and uh, there was someone going through the drive-thru. Any of you guys heard that? And I guess there was a, a problem, and so you know, next thing you know, he's getting the order, he looks, and I guess the lady, I don't know if she's having a seizure or what, and uh, she kind of collapses, and then the car just, you know, starts rolling. And, uh, and so you know what he did? he jumped out through the drive-thru window. <laughs> and he went out there, and somehow he got in the car, and, you know, he saved her life, you know. And we've heard stories like that. Again, uh, some fast food uh, workers, I remember, uh, uh, went to perform CPR, saving lives. We can do that for people. Did you know that? I mean, what if that guy didn't go through the window? What if that girl never took the CPR class so that when she was there, she was able to help them with that? We're supposed to be able to do that for people. And we learn that in the book of Job because it's a book about suffering and some sufferers, but it's also a book about comforters. And when your friend is going through a hard time and when you find people that they're there and, man, they just don't understand and they can't carry on, prayerfully you'll be there with them with the compassion that Christ has given to you. 
And he gives it to you so that you can give it to them. You guys, we can really make a difference. I think as we go through this book and God teaches us things, uh, we'll come out stronger. There's so much suffering in the world, and you know why does it happen? Misconception is that people always suffer because of their sin. That's uh, you know man's calamities are the consequences of his crimes. Not always like that. As a matter of fact, you guys know just as well as I do that there are guys in prison who are innocent. That's the way it is in life. The truth is we suffer because we live in a fallen world, right? And, and yeah, God does chasten his children. If we won't listen to his word, and if we do what's wrong, he will chasten us. But sometimes we suffer for doing what's right. And we just have to know what the Bible teaches. Such was the case for Job. And you know, when we do suffer for obedience, then God in his brilliance, he does something just beautiful. And you guys know that as you go through the valleys, then God will deepen your walk with him. Just don't give up. I always tell people, the only way you can lose is if you quit. So never quit as a Christian. You know, when you're going through the hard times, as a matter of fact, you know, let's be honest like Job was. Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm really struggling with this. Where are you? It's okay to talk to God like that. He's not insecure. We can be honest with him. Let's not be afraid to pour out our hearts to him, but let's not be afraid. Let's trust him from the heart. What does the Bible say? Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. That's what it says. Psalm 62.8, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Salah. And so as we go through this, you guys, I pray uh, you would be encouraged and equipped uh, as you go through your suffering and as he sends you uh, in comforting. Look what we read in Job 6 in verse 1. It says, Then Job answered and said, Oh, that my grief were fully weighed and my calamity laid with it on the scales, for then it would, have, it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore, my words have been rash. Uh, he lost all his kids. They all died. His wife wasn't helping him any. <laughs> she just said, curse God and die. You know, he lost all his wealth. He lost all his health. He was covered in painful boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. The sores we're going to see are so big, there's maggots in there. It's crazy. And so this guy is hurting. I mean, for me, all it takes is if you take my kid. That's all. I remember one time I had a dream that my son died. I think I told you guys about this. And man, I freaked out. I was having this dream, and I'm just weeping over my son. He had died, and I had saw him. He was on the car on the, on the, on the, on the road, and, and I was in my dream, and I passed him by, and he's just slammed on the, on the ground, and I, just, I remember just weeping in my dream. My son, my son, my son. I was just, just overwhelmingly devastated. I woke up out of the dream with a cold sweat, and I went to his room, and I woke him up. I said, wake up, <laughs> you like. You can, can you imagine, I know some of you here, and I've talked to you over the years, such a, such a difficult place to be. You know, that's where Job was, but he lost 10 kids. 
Everything happened at the same time, and it was the devil himself that was focusing on him. It wasn't no you know, corporal or general or some other private demon. It was Satan coming against him. And so when he, he talks about his grief right here, he says, if you weighed it, it would be heavier than the sand, not just the sand, the sand of the sea. And so all the sand, and you guys know this, the sand of the sea is heavier than the regular sand. It's wet sand. And he said, if you were to weigh it all, this is heavier than all of that. You know, he admits in verse 3 that his words were rash, that you know, some of the things he who was speaking was kind of like hastily, you know, almost like an advance of saying, you know what, I don't really mean everything I'm saying, but you got to know why I'm saying what I'm saying, why I'm venting, because I'm hurting like this. You know, sometimes we can go to someone and they're going through whatever it is they're going through and they say things and you're like all correcting everything they say. You know what, just listen. Just listen, because sometimes what they're sharing, they're just venting. you got to know, first things first, they're just dying inside. That's where Job was. And so we read in verse 4, it says, For the arrows of the Almighty are within me. My spirit drinks in their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. Does the wild donkey bray when it has grass? Or does the ox low over its fodder? Can flavorless food be eaten without salt? How many of you here like lots of salt? You guys know how that is, right? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? My soul refuses to touch them. They are as loathsome food to me. I mean, here we see Job knows God is sovereign, that God has allowed all this. And so he kind of looks up to the Lord and he says, man, you know, this is what I'm experiencing. These are like arrows shooting from the Almighty, man. They are like, the, the pain is like, the, it's like poison from him. I mean, that's what he's sharing as he goes through this. And he reasons that from a, from a dark place. He says there, however, but don't I have the right to, to complain? I mean, he says right there, donkeys and oxen, they complain when they have no food. They bray, they low, they do what they do, right? People even complain if there's not enough salt. What's up with these beans? When I got high blood pressure, my wife started doing it without salt. I'm like, what's up, man? I'd rather die. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you know, but, you know, you know, people complain, oh, the white, of oh, the egg. I mean, it has no, no taste to it. People start, you know, complaining about stuff like that. I mean, people complain about stuff like that, and you're saying that I can't complain about what I'm going through? I mean, we got to see. We have to be understanding when people are going through hard times. You know, he says there in verse 8, Oh, that I might have my request that God would grant me the, the thing that I long for, that it would please God to crush me, that he would loose his hand and cut me off. Then I would still have comfort, though in anguish I would exult. He will not spare, for I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. What strength do I have that I should hope? And what is my end that I should prolong my life? Is my strength the strength of stones or is my flesh bronze? Is my help not within me and is success driven from me? To him who is afflicted, kindness should be shown by his friend. 
even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. And here we see, as we saw last time, that Job was suffering so much that he wanted to die. Right? He prayed he could die. And we talked about this last time. Then why didn't he just kill himself? Why didn't he just jump off a cliff? Going through so much pain, why didn't he just take his own life like we see today in euthanasia? Why? Well, it's because he knew that life and death are in the hands of God. He prayed, let me die. But he yielded himself to the Lord. You know, there are some who see suicide as noble and courageous, but the truth is, it's not noble. It's wrong and it's cowardly. Although Job wanted his life to end, thankfully he didn't end it himself, right? For in the end, we'll see God uses him as an example of a person who, even though he's got a hurting heart, he did not lose heart. And what if Job would have taken his life? Little would he have known that God was going to heal him. He would have 10 more children. He would, see to see, he would live to see his descendants to the fourth generation, and he was going to live another 140 years. But right there in the moment, he just wanted to die. Right? Thank God that he is the one that says when we should live and when we should die. You know, Job couldn't see any of that from where he was, didn't look good, right? In Job 6, 9 through 10, the NLT puts it this way, I wish he would crush me, I wish he would reach out his hand and kill me. At least I can take comfort in this, that despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. And so, you know, Job here, he kind of says basically that what this verse uh, says is that there's nothing that would hinder his joy of dying because he had not denied or disobeyed God's plan. And so we see in verse 11 and 12 that, that Job had no strength. Again, what strength do I have that I should hope? You see, when you don't have hope, you don't have strength. That weakens you, right? I'm sure you guys have heard that saying, you can't cope without hope. And that's true, man. You guys always got to know this, the hope that there's still life for you to live. There's still life for your children. There's still a certain certainty that's good about the future. And whatever you do, you can't lose hope, that good plan that God has for your future. Jeremiah 29, 11, it was all written to the Jews who were in bondage in Babylon. They thought it was over. There's no way they can go back to the land. And that's exactly what God said to them. I'm still thinking about you. My thoughts towards you are as the sands of the sea. And every time I think about you, it's not evil, it's good, and you have a future, and you have a hope. And when you know that, it gives you strength. You know, I don't know for sure, it depends on how physically fit you are, but they say that you can live maybe about four weeks without food. We should try it, huh? Just lose a few pounds. Um, they say you can live four days, again, depending on how physically fit you are, without water. Uh, you can, you know, live, some say three, some say more, four minutes without oxygen, right? But you can't live, you can't really live life without hope. And that's the one thing the enemy tries to come in. So that's why so many people commit suicide. 
That's why so many people, they lose and they lose heart because they feel they have no hope. And that's what the devil is trying to do to Job. But he's holding on to that sliver of faith that he has in God and he doesn't lose heart. See, that's what makes a person shut down and die. You know, a life without hope is really a life without life. We'll see it later in chapter 7 and verse 6. You know, Elijah was one of these guys, great man, he wanted to die. We read that in 1 Kings 19, 14. Because you might think, well, you know, some of you here, you probably had thoughts like this, you know. But man, and then you're thinking, well, I'm such a terrible person. But, you know, Elijah, Jonah, Paul the Apostle even had thoughts, he said, of despairing of life. That's how heavy the trials can be. And so as you're going through that, man, pray that you guys would know that you have hope. And, you know, um, it's kind of a bummer because when you're there, you're really hoping to have some friends. Uh, Job didn't have any friends, really. Look again there at verse 14. It says, To him who is afflicted, kindness should be shown by his friend, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. My brothers have dealt treacherously like a brook, like the streams of the brooks that pass away, which are dark because of the ice and into which the snow vanishes. When it's warm, they cease to flow. When it's hot, they vanish from their place. The paths, their, 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 the paths of their way turn aside. They go nowhere and perish. The caravans of Tima look. The travelers of Sheba hope for them. They are disappointed because they were confident. They came there and are confused. They're like, hey, where's the water? There's no water here. For now you are nothing. You see terror and are afraid. Did I ever say bring something to me or offer a bribe for me from your wealth or deliver me from the enemy's hand or redeem me from the hand of oppressors? You know, Job's friends weren't helping him. And verse 14 is such an important passage in the book. Job's friends didn't sympathize. They couldn't empathize. They weren't willing to try to just take whatever effort it might be to put themselves in their situation. You know, maybe even ask a few questions. What was it like when you were growing up? Did you have a dad? Was he there for you? I mean, what have you been through? Tell me what's going on in your heart. You know, how's it going? Because when you start asking questions and maybe, you know, digging a little bit or ask, you know, that you care then you might be able to sympathize and then empathize with them and be a good friend and be a good counselor. But these guys, they wouldn't, they couldn't. They were bankrupt of applicable wisdom or compassion in order to help their friend. Their concept of God and a world where only good things happen to righteous people was wrong. They thought that bad things happened to the unrighteous only. That's the only way it worked. And so Job shows us how to counsel in these types of situations. He says, when you're there and you see someone who is afflicted, it says in the NLT, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty, he says, anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. You guys, when you're there and you're trying to counsel and you're trying to help, you're trying to make a difference, I know, and I've and I, and I read the Bible a lot, you know, supposedly I know a little bit. A lot of times we don't have the words. 
We don't. We don't know what to say. We don't have all the answers. Well, this is why you're going through what you're going through, and this is what you got to do, A, B, C. No, just be kind to them. Be nice. Be compassionate. Be there. You know, make them some, you know, menudo or something. I mean, you know, some cookies or take them out. I had some, man, going through heavy trials. I'll never forget. Get a knock on my door. I get some friends and, hey, you want to go out to dinner? And I was just having a hard time functioning. Thank God for my friends. Didn't really talk about anything. Didn't really get into it. Just being kind. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what the Bible says. You know, there's a really cool passage in Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. When you're there in the affliction, and when you're there in the adversity, thank God for our brothers who are born and born again. Thank God for our friends who are there. Because right here, Job talks about this stream. And basically what he says is this stream that during the certain season, it, you know, it overflows its banks and they got all the, the snow and the, and the water and it's there. But then when there's no snow and there's no rain, then it's all dried up. He says, and when you're there in that hot season, that tough time, when, you know, the sun is just, I mean, just coming down on you so difficult, and you, tro- you go to get water, there's nothing there. Because that's the type of friend they are. He says in verse 21, you have proven to be useless to me, nothing, no help whatsoever. In verse 22 and 23, he basically says, listen, I never asked for money. I never asked for some physical or military aid from you. Basically, what he says is just help me out here with some truth, you know, some good teaching. He says in verse uh, 24, teach me and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. How forceful are right words, but what does your arguing prove? Do you intend to rebuke my words and the speeches of a desperate one which are as wind? Yes, you overwhelm the fatherless and you undermine your friend. Now, therefore, be pleased to look at me, for I would never lie to you, lie to your face. Yield now, let there be no injustice. Yes, concede my righteousness still stands. Is there injustice on my tongue? Cannot my taste discern the unsavory? And, you know, this is a, a section right here where Job is just you know, saying, teach me, and then I'll, I'll be quiet. You know, show me what I've done wrong. He's actually asking his friends, you know, don't just give me some vague, ambiguous accusations. You know, show me in the Bible exactly what I've done wrong so that I can get right with God. He, he basically says, honest words are painful, um, but, you know, you guys right here, you're not helping me. You're not convincing me. You guys would send an orphan into slavery. You guys have the mentality that you would sell a friend. Look at me. He says, look at me. And they probably had a hard time looking at him because he was all messed up. But he said, look at me. Would I lie to your face? Stop assuming that I'm guilty because I've done no wrong. Do you think I'm lying? Don't I know the difference between right and wrong? 
And Job's friends, they lacked compassion, they lacked discernment, wisdom, and truth. They had the consensus that Job had sinned. Watch, if you go back to chapter 4, remember what they said in verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7, remember now whoever perished being innocent, or where were the upright ever cut off? Even as I have seen, this is Job's friend who says, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble, they reap the same. The reason you're all messed up is because you're in sin. That's what they were saying, right? But it wasn't true. They did get specific, and they you know, said in chapter 5, verse 17, that he was being chastened. And they even said in chapter 5, verse 2, that it had to do with envy and, and anger. In verse 12 and 13 of chapter 5, that Job was crafty and cunning. But none of it was true, and Job knew that. It wasn't that Job was claiming to be perfect because no one's perfect, but man, he was proper. He wasn't sinless, but he was blameless. That's all he's trying to say. And all he was trying to say was that my relationship with God, I know that he's not, it's not because he's punishing me for my sin. That's all he was saying. You know, I mean, in looking at this, I think that if his friends would have conceded that possibility to him, in verse 29, look again, he says, yield now, Let there be no injustice. Yes, concede my righteousness still stands. I mean, if they would have just said, you know what? You know, you're right. Yeah, Job, in all honesty, we've always known you to be a a loving man, a caring man, a man of integrity. We know you love God. You love your family. You're not perfect but proper. And we don't know why this is happening to you. But we just want you to know that we're here for you and we're praying for you. But no, they wanted him to plead guilty when he wasn't. You know, and we read those stories all the time. I don't know if you guys uh, have heard those stories. Um, There was one in particular about a guy, Gilbert Cruz. Probably a few stories about a Gilbert Cruz. It's a common name, but, you know, know, they accused him of doing all these terrible things. And, uh, you know, they just said, all you got to do is plead guilty. But he wasn't guilty. And as a result of that, he was in jail for, I think, somewhere around six months because nobody believed in him. But when finally all the evidence came in, the DNA testing, the, the, just the admissions of the lies all along the way, he was found innocent. You know, and sometimes I think that's what ends up happening, man. You know, not that we're perfect or anything, but just as we're in tune with God, he'll tell us if we're doing something wrong. But if you're not... Maybe it's because you're doing something right. And so Job continues in chapter 7 and verse 1. He says, Is there not a time of hand, hard service for man on earth? And are not his days also like the days of a hired man? Like a servant who earnestly desires the shade and like a hired man who eagerly looks for his wages? So I have been allotted months of futility and Wearisome nights have been appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise and the night be ended? For I have had my fill of tossing till dawn. Check this out, verse 5. My flesh is caked with worms. That's gross, huh? And dust, my skin is cracked and breaks out afresh. You know, Job basically talks right here. These guys weren't taken into consideration that life as a human just being human has its fair share of struggles, right? 
I mean, there are those times uh, in life where it feels like it's hot, it's heat, you just need shade, right? And life under the sun can be like that. There are those times where you're financially struggling, you're wanting, you're needing wages. Job is just saying, that's life, right? And then in verse 3, Job says something really accurate for his situation. He talks about how months of futility were his allotment, wearisome nights, that was his appointment. And you know, um, going through life, and because of the fall, we're going to suffer you know, the decay in the day that we live in. And we're going to go through all these hard times, you guys. It's not because you messed up. There's a passage in Romans 8. It says, therefore, there is therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's the first thing the devil will do. We'll try to come and condemn you. But we have to have that heart that says, you know what, Lord, I'm going to seek you with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. You know, it, it probably won't be as bad as Job's as we go through life, but, man, we got to understand that we will suffer. You know, what do you do when you're there? You know, I remember when my father-in-law had cancer and uh, just seeing him, you know, deteriorate over, you know, the, the time. I mean, it's just, it just broke your heart. Here's a guy who was strong. Here was a guy that built houses Here's the guy that was always uh, going down to Mexico and he would take clothes to all the kids over there and man, just always doing these amazing things and then to see him, you know, get struck with cancer and next thing you know, he's so frail that in order for him to to leave, he's got to be carried out the house. So what do you do when when you find yourself one day in a situation like that and the devil comes and he says to him, or maybe to you, it's because you're all messed up. You're, it's your sin that you're suffering. It's your, it's your crimes. You're, now you're suffering the consequences. No, it's life. It's life that we live in. And there is still a God who loves us. And even though we go through all these hard times, we see Job and there was a great purpose. We have to trust him with all of our heart. Right? I mean, look at verse uh, 12. Let's see, where are we? What verse are we on? Seven, okay. We'll go there. Oh, no, verse six. My days are swifter than a weaver's, weaver's shuttle. He thinks he's going to die right away. And are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is a, a breath. My eye will never again see good. The eye of him who sees me will see me no more while your eyes are upon me. I shall no longer be. As a cloud disappears and vanishes away, so he who goes down to the grave does not come up. He shall never return to his house, nor shall his place know him anymore. Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. And we'll pause there for just a moment. Job, again, is thinking he's about to die. And he's basically, in verse 8, he says, you guys are going to see me die, right? He's like, my life is like a a breath. And it would be like kind of like on a cold day where you uh, breathe out the air and your hot air. It's kind of like a vapor, right? And that's where James gets it from. Your life, my life is just about to disappear. It's just about to fade away, right? So James said in chapter 4, verse 14 of his letter, And so he's talking about dying and not returning there in verses 9 through 10. 
And then in verse 11, notice what he says there in verse 11, I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. He says, therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. The other day we were talking about bikes, bicycles. And I guess nowadays they're making bicycles without brakes. Is that true? So um, <laughs> this Job is just saying, I'm going to start talking without brakes, man. I'm just going to keep going. And you know, I mean, he's just struggling. What would you do if you were there? And this guy just kept talking and talking and talking. Have you ever been there? What do you do? You listen, 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 right? and you pray, right? That's the way we should be. That's where Job was. Look what he says in verse 12. Am I a a sea or a sea serpent that you set a guard over me? When I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint, and now he's talking to God, then you scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions so that my soul chooses strangling and death rather than my body. I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone, for my days are but a breath. He says something crazy in verse 17. What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? How long? Will you not look away from me and let me alone till I swallow my saliva? That was an idiom of the day of just saying, let me die. Have I sinned? What have I done to you, O watcher of men? Why have you set me as your target so that I am a burden to myself? Why then do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now I will lie down in the dust and you will seek me diligently but I will no longer be. And I don't know what goes through your mind when you read something like that. Some of you here, you're like, I don't know, I'm thinking about food right now, to be honest with you. You know, other people, I'm not really interested in the Bible. That just goes to show where your relationship is with God, right? But, you know, you read this right here, and, and it's like, here's a guy that is really, like, wrestling with God. I mean, he, he's, you know, he isn't just like abstract. He wasn't superficial. He's really talking to God. He knows that God has allowed this. And, 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 it, and he's struggling, right? I mean, there in verse 12, am I like a serpent? It's almost like you, you put me like in the sea where these, uh, there's these barriers and you're just kind of like watching me, right? And I try to get some rest. I try to get some peace. I try to go to sleep. And even there I get nightmares, It's like, why won't you leave me alone, God? It's crazy what he's saying, right? I mean, he's saying right here, what is man in verse 17 that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? It's like almost like, God, don't you have better things to do than to deal with my life? And he says it kind of in a negative context. In Psalm 8 and Psalm 144, the same thing is spoken in a positive context. And, and, and when you look at it, it's kind of interesting, you know, when you, when you see what happens right here, what you find is that, you know, God, although he's glorious and he's great, he does deal with us individually, you know, and what Job is saying right here is, is true. That's why it's repeated in Psalm 8, verse 4, and Psalm 144, verse 3, that God has exalted man, right? Right? 
And he gave him dominion over earth. Set him a little lower than the angels, the Bible says. But God, you have exalted men, these little puny you know, guys on, on that little speck of a planet called Earth in that galaxy over there called the Milky Way galaxy, you've exalted them, right? And then he says, well, where are we that you would exalt us? Verse 17, that you should set your heart on him. I mean, that you, you pay attention to my life. You're dealing with my life. You set your heart on me? Verse 18 is so cool that you visit him. Think about that. God visits us. God comes into our life, and, you know, he deals with us. And, you know, um, the, you know, the discipline, the chastening, the trials, all custom-made. Count on all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the, the testing of your faith, it produces endurance. It's the same thing. The next thing he says, and you test him. Why don't you just leave me alone, he basically says. Why do you test me all the time. And what we know testing is, is it, it, re, it reveals who we are and it refines who we are. Testing is purifying us. You know, a lot of times we go through trials and all we do is complain. God, get me out of it. Get me out of it. And God is just saying, well, what are you going to get out of it? Are you going to grow? If you look up, you'll go through that trial right there and you will be stronger. That's what the testing is all about. You know, God is awesome, and he sits on the throne, but he is dealing with your life. You, your life. How are you responding? Will you be tested like Job, who came forth as gold? Well, yeah, I'm going through a trial, but you know, I don't really talk to him too much about it. I trust him. He'll take care of it. Yeah. And you never pray. I mean, here's Job, man. He is praying to God. And even though he's struggling, even though he's saying, Lord, I don't get it, and all, I feel like you're doing this to me, and at least he's talking to God. Some people don't even talk to God. And he's trying to get your attention. I mean, this is so cool. You can ask God questions like how long in verse 19, how long, Lord? Or in verse 20, that's a good question. Have I sinned? Is there anything that I've done wrong? Lord, show me, please. I mean, verse 21, if I have, Lord, will you forgive me? Will you pardon me? See, that's where Job is. And that's where we should be. Whatever you do, don't have like this guy build down. And we're going to go through one more chapter. I know you're dying inside, but come on, you guys, hang with me, man. Chapter 8 and verse 1, and then Bildad, the Shuhite, he's the shortest guy in the Bible, only Shuhite, he, he answered and said, again, how, he's talking to Job now, how long will you speak these things and the words of your mouth be like a strong wind? Does God subvert judgment and does the Almighty pervert justice? If your sin, sons have sinned against him, he has cast them away for their transgression. You see what he says right there? He says, that's the reason your sons died, because they're sinners. Is that the way you comfort people? Is that the way you judge people? 
Do you remember before you were a Christian how you didn't even know the difference between the right and the left? I had no clue that sexual sin was wrong, that drugs were wrong, that smoking was wrong, that alcohol was wrong, that disobeying the laws of the land was wrong, that lying was wrong. I didn't know any of that was wrong because I was dead in my sins. And then sometimes you get Christians who see non-Christians, and what do they do? They judge them. You're not supposed to judge them. You judge those who are in the house, not outside the house. You know, and when you look at this right here, and then you're taking these dogmatic statements like that's the reason your sons died is because they're sinners, it sounds to me like a very self-righteous Christian. And they're the worst. He says, if you would earnestly seek God and make your supplications to the Almighty, if you were pure and upright, surely now he would awake for you and and prosper your rightful dwelling place. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. You know, it's interesting because God did call him upright. In chapter 1, he did it twice. In chapter 2, verse 3, he called him upright again. But he's saying, well, if you were upright, you know, then you'd be okay. Job was upright. He says in verse 7, and if you got right, then in the end, everything would be good. Well, in Job's life, in the end, everything was good. And he kept the same approach the whole way through. He says in verse 8, For inquire, please, of the former age, and consider the things discovered by their fathers. For we were born yesterday, and know nothing, because our days on earth are a shadow. Will they not teach you and tell you and utter words from their heart? He kind of says the old guys and the old books, they have the good counsel. And they would tell you that you suffer for your sin. And you're just suffering the calamities of the consequences of your crime. That's what the old guys say. I have an old book right here. It says. It's not in print anymore. That's what it says. And you know what we got to know? It doesn't matter if it's ancient. The question is, is it biblical? And just because guys have gray hair doesn't mean they're wise. Just because guys have been serving the Lord for a long time doesn't mean they're right on or they really love the Lord or they're in there for the right reason. Well, I've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah, but are you doing it for the right reason? Is your heart in it? Just because someone's old doesn't mean they're right. Sometimes they are. Praise God for that. But this is what he's saying. Well, it's... Uh, Old guys, they know the truth, and you know that's why we know it's true. No, is it biblical, number one, and is it applicable? Yeah, it's a truth that God does chasten sinners, but that wasn't the case for Job. He says in verse 11, Can the papyrus grow up without a marsh? Can the reeds flourish without water? While it is yet green and not cut down, it withers before any other plant. Here it is. So are the paths of all who forget God, and the hope of the hypocrite shall perish. That's what he's saying about Job. He's saying, Job, the reason you're going through what you're going through is because you forgot God. Job, truth is, it's pretty obvious, everyone can see it. You're a hypocrite. Were they right? Absolutely not. Again, is it applicable? Be really careful, you guys, in stuff like this, right? Notice he says right here, whose confidence shall be cut off and whose trust is a spider's web. 
He leans on his house, but it does not stand. He holds it fast, but it does not endure. He grows green in the sun, and his branches spread out in his garden. His roots wrap around the rock heap and look for a place in the stones. If he is destroyed from his place, then it will deny him, saying, I have not seen you. Behold, this is the joy of his way, and out of the earth others will grow. Behold, God will not cast away the blameless, nor will he uphold the evildoers. He will yet fill your mouth with laughing and your lips with rejoicing, and those who hate you will be clothed with shame, and the dwelling place of the wicked will come to nothing. And, and again, you, you, know, you read verses 19 through 22 right there, and it is a... You know, some general truths, you know, that yet yeah, God will, uh, you know, deal with the blameless and God will uphold, um, you know, these things and, you know, God will deal with those who are evildoers and, you know, all these kind of stuff. But the, the question is, is, as you're sharing these truths and as you're going through it, the, the question is, is it applicable to the life of the individual that you're stating this to? And in this case, we see that it was not applicable to Job. You see, what we need to do is we need to come, you guys, ask God for discernment. Ask God for wisdom. You know, you can be that person who makes a difference in someone else's life who's really hurting by coming with truth, by coming with compassion, by coming with kindness, by coming with the Bible and applying it in in, in, you know, in a way that, that's appropriate. But if not, then we could end up doing a, a lot of damage. And unfortunately, what these guys did right here, thank God Job kept his eyes on the Lord, man. But let me tell you something, man. It was not easy. And I remember uh, another high school story. For some reason, I think my, my brain's getting a little better. I've been eating vegetables and stuff and uh, I remember one time I was at, at school and uh, I was with a friend uh, named Kevin and this big dude, uh, 6'5", at least 300 pounds, yoked, named Dean um, Hoffaker. He just came up to him and he just belted him, man, with, with all his power, <laughs> with all his strength. And I was there, you know, standing next to this guy, Kevin, and I'm like, and I'm like, um, and I saw him, you know, he was a wrestler. Yeah, he had transferred from another school, and that's why we were friends. And I saw this whole thing go down, and, you know, he just kind of he just kind of moved, and then he went back, and this little guy, this little guy took down the big guy. It was just so cool, man. And, you know, you're going through that whole thing, and you're fighting, and, and you know, there was no reason for Dean to hit Kevin. You want to know why he hit him? Because someone dared him. There is no reason. Yeah, some guys are like that, huh? I won't mention any names, but BC days. <laughs> Anyways, you know, I mean, and, and you know, you're going through the fight, and you could probably be just caught up with the whole thing, like, you know, why did he hit me, or why is this happening, or I don't get it. And you know, you could try to figure it all out, but the bottom line is, when you're in the middle of that fight, that's not what you should be focused on, Right? You should be focused on the spiritual battle at hand. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. You know, prayer, the word, sit in the studies. Very important. 
Make sure that you seek God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because then, as we're there, and we get hit, and we don't even know why, and we didn't see it coming, whatever, it's not going to be a problem. Because like Job, even though he didn't go through it, you know, without asking questions and, you know, the whole thing, he made it. Just like my friend, he made it. He stood his ground, and, and he won that war. Why do people suffer? Oh, it's because of their sins. So consequences because of their calamities. No, the bottom line is there are some people who suffer not just for doing what's wrong, but for doing what's right. People like Job or Joseph or Jeremiah or Jesus. Huh. Of all of them, he was the one that did the most right, and yet he suffered the most. And even though we can't suffer to redeem people, we can suffer to help people. So as you're going through, I encourage you, man, be strengthened by these truths, okay? Never forget so that when you get hit, and you're going to get hit. You guys know you're going to get hit, right? How many of you here are thinking, well, I'll never get hit? You're going to get hit. Things are going to happen. 